Guys, you're in for the craziest treat today. I kid you not. We have a legendary pitcher on the podcast today. When I say legendary, she is a pitcher that crushed it in college, annihilated at USA, and is now going to be competing in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. If you have any idea who she is, her name is Monica Abbott. Now, before I dive too deep into our episode and what we talked about, let me tell you about her. She's a four-time All-American at Tennessee. In 2008, she was a silver medalist. She is in her career, won 17 championship titles, including in the pro league. She plays for Team USA. She's an eight-time All-NPF team. She's a five-time pitcher of the year in NPF. She also plays in Japan and is a six-time Japan League champion, a four-time Japan MVP. In her career, she's had 1,600 strikeouts in the NPF. She was the first $1 million softball contract in any sport of a woman on a team sport in the USA. She was admitted into the Tennessee Hall of Fame in 2018. She's a three-time world championship gold medalist, 2007 Women's Sports Foundation Sportswoman of the Year. Like, are you kidding me? Yes, it took two minutes to go over all of the things she's accomplished. And we have her on the podcast today. Her and I, we go back. I The first two years I played in the pro league, I got to hit against Monica. You get to hear about the first time I hit against Monica, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We get to hear about her Japan experience and playing there and having these six-hour practices. She talks about her relationship with Natasha Watley, who we have had on the podcast prior. She talks about this incredible story about how she actually caught before she was a pitcher, and that story is a fun one. And she talks a ton about how she remembers specific moments of her and her mom literally sitting in the backyard, having a 20-minute timer. It was literally an egg timer that was her softball time. That was her pitching time. And it's some of the best memories she has. She gives tips for pitchers on how to gain strength to avoid injury. She talked about how many times she pitched a week, especially when she was younger, strategies for young pitchers to use when they don't have many pitches yet, and so much more. You guys are going to eat up this conversation with Monica and you're just going to love her. All right, let's get to the episode. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well, but now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players Some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say 
so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive, and that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here, and I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook, and let's head to the next episode. Welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I have one of the most decorated pitchers of all time on the podcast this week. Needs no introduction. Monica Abbott, what's going on, girl? Hey, 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 what is happening? <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. You know, I've been listening to When the Cleats Come Off, all the episodes with Aubrey and Delaney and Tosh and just so much good information. And it's such an honor to be able to be on the podcast with you today. Uh, This was a long time coming. I've been so excited for this interview. I've even asked some of those people you just mentioned to ask you questions, which we'll get to later. I'm very excited. You have like no idea what I'm talking about, but it'll be fun. So as a podcast for parents and coaches to kind of like understand what it takes to become great, I love starting with the question of, tell us about the inception of softball for you and where it's kind of led you. As long as it takes kind of like, Start at the very beginning and then finish off to where you are now. For sure. For sure. Well, okay. So for me, softball, how did I start playing softball? Okay. So I'm one, you have to know, like I'm one of five kids. And so my older sister came home from school and wanted to play softball. My mom signed her up. Basically my, she was, her name's Jessica. She was super excited to play. All our friends at school were playing. So we go down to the rec league. It was called the Bobby Sox. And my mom signs her up. So, of course, being Jessica's little sister, and I just ended up falling into the sport as like a tag along, (laughs) to be honest. I was like the younger sister and not really like into the game so much. Like I played right field. I ate snacks. I did cheers. Like Like all of us. Yeah, I I was like... (laughs) My biggest goal was like chasing foul balls so I could get like a free lollipop, like <laughs> the snack bar. Like that was like my biggest goal <laughs> each day. And, um, but Jessica, on the other hand, she was, you know, really, really talented. She's a number four hitter, super strong, played shortstop, all, all the things. And so for the first part of my career, I just was, you know, Jessica's sister in the game. And that's how I, that's how I started. And then eventually Jessica they Jessica's team needed a pitcher so Jessica decided that she was going to pitch <laughs> and I not like she's the best player she's the most athletic she's strong big shoulders and so we went to like the local coach there that was giving lessons at our rec ball field and guess who had to catch for her you yeah it was awful <laughs> like it was so awful <laughs> like I feel like, like you needed to go through that to know that's not for me <laughs> it was like when I tell you it was awful, like at this point, like, I don't think I even, I had even mastered like catching the ball and throwing the ball yet. Like <laughs> I duck, dip, dive, dodged out of every single pitch she threw. And I, <laughs> like, I was like just miserable getting up and down. And at that time, you know, I probably looked like a baby giraffe because I was like, you know, all <laughs> legs, like <laughs> super skinny, just like trying to like 
catch this ball that she was throwing that was coming really hard, hurting my hand. And I was still actually probably, you know, maybe a little afraid of the ball at the time. And, but she went to a pitching lesson and long story short, at the end of the lesson, um, I'm like, you know, praise Jesus. It's over. Like, <laughs> thank God <laughs> I get to go home now. Like, I'm calling my friends. We're getting on the bikes, all this sort of thing. And, um, I'm like struggling, taking off the shin guards that the coach had. And the coach comes up over to me and he goes, Hey, Monica. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you don't like catching, do you? And I'm like, no, no, I do not. <laughs> like, look at me. Like I miss like every ball. <laughs> and he goes, look, like you're obviously not a catcher, but you know, you're left-handed, you're tall. He goes, I'm left-handed and I would love to teach you how to pitch one day if you're interested. And I thought nothing of it. I went home and a couple of days later I went to him and was like, mom, you think I could get a pitching, a pitching lesson from, you know, the piece he said that maybe he could give me a lesson. You know, what, what about me? Can I have one? And my mom was like, Monica, no. She she goes, Monica, no, you're not getting, you're not getting a pitching lesson. You're afraid of the ball. You don't even like softball. You play right field. (laughs) She's like, like, no, no, no. Like Monica, you're joking. No. I was like, no, mom, look, I could do it. (laughs) Like trying to do a pitching motion in the house, you know? (laughs) And, um, she, she goes after a couple of days of like trying to convince my mom to give me a pitching lesson, which you know, my mom, Julie, she's a, she's a hard nosed, <laughs> hard nosed woman. She stood her ground. And then finally she goes, okay, you want a pitching lesson? And she like bargains with me. <laughs> and she's like, gives me a laundry list of chores. That is like the worst chores that you'd have to do. Like clean the bathroom, vacuum the stairs, vacuum the car, like <laughs> mow the lawn and clean up the She's dog. Like, how bad do you really want it? <laughs> yeah. Clean up the dog poops. Like literally how bad do you want it? Do you really want it? Do you really want this pitching lesson? And I looked at her like dead straight. And then I'm like, I, and I'm like, okay, mom, I'll do it. <laughs> I like check everything off. I spent the entire weekend, like cleaning, don't play with anyone. <laughs> I'm like 12 at this time, like, and don't play with anyone. Check off everything that she had on that list of chores. And then I, and I put out the bucket in our front yard and handed her the list. And, um, that was how I got my first pitching lesson and became a pitcher. Oh my gosh. What a story of resiliency. Are you kidding? That's so fun. Like that's hilarious. I never knew you caught. I mean, for a split second. That's kind of like me. Yeah. I, I was thrown in, in an all-star game and they're like, Ashley, go catch it. And I think I like closed my eyes every time. Like I like oh. didn't even see it go into my glove. I think it hit me in the chest protector more times than it hit my glove. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, you see the gear as like a little kid and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Like that looks awesome. Like you're going to be like a superhero back there. And like, you want to try it. And then you get up down there and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. No, no. Yeah. But, so you have people like Aubrey Monroe that are like, this is for me. I love this. And then you have people like us that are like, peace out. Yeah, Not peace happening. out. Like, I'm good. Like, I'll go back to right field, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it took me a while to find um, to find a home on the softball field and just to find my place, I think. You know, I didn't come into it just 
just like, oh, one day I woke up and I was like throwing 70 miles an hour. I started in right field. I was known as Jessica's sister for probably the first five years of my career. And then eventually I moved to center field and then I tried short. And then I think I went first base and then pitching, but, and then finally as a pitcher, but but I think it took, it just took a while to find your, find a position that fit me as an athlete and as a person, but, you know, props to my coaches for like giving me the opportunity to try like almost every position for at least a game or two. Yeah. Yeah. And that pitching coach that was like, Hey, I think you'd be a great pitcher. And like in your mind, you probably had no idea. Right. Exactly. Like, okay. Like you want me to be a pitch, a pitcher? Like I'm sitting back there, like dodging balls, like yeah, <laughs> at a lesson. So and I'm like, Oh God, you, now you want me to pitch? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I have a question. Did you play a lot of sports? Did you, or did you just kind of start out with that? No, like I played, I did a lot. Like I was a very active kid, like in my neighborhood, like we had the house at the very kind of like at the turn of the block. So like everyone kind of, you know, met around there, but organized sports. I did, I did softball and basketball and then swimming as a young kid. And then a little bit of volleyball. I never really got into it, like organized volleyball very much. And then as a, you know, as a neighborhood, like you couldn't keep us out of the streets. Like literally we were playing soccer tag. We were making ramps, like in the middle of the driveways, like literally all the kids hung out there. Um, we were playing dodgeball and four square and flag football and, you know, everything. So we had a very active, like little neighborhood as kids. You probably have scars all over your body. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh. Going t- crazy. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Like roller, roller, we used to play like roller hockey and we'd have like these massive, like these epic wars that would last like three or four days. <laughs> and oh that's how, and then, and then we would go on to the next sport, like flag football or soccer or dodgeball or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah. there's lots of falls and all of that. Yeah. So I grew up on a, well, close to a cul-de-sac and I kind of like you remember all of my days after school would just like spend time outside. The only thing was I was the only girl that was like athletic in the whole entire block. So it was like a bunch of boys. Did you have like boys and girls playing with you? Was it just girls? Um, uh, well, so I, my older sister, Jessica would play sometimes, but I was actually mm-hmm. really close with my brother, Jared. And then my neighbor, her name was Jen. And so we would, we would be the three girls and then there would be a bunch of boys. There was a couple older kids down the street. So we'd always get pushed around by them. But like you, if you weren't outside holding a ball at the end of the, at after school, like after your snack, when you got home, like, who were you? Like everyone was waiting, like (laughs) everyone was waiting to be outside and to like kind of play, especially, you know, during the like warmer months. But yeah, I I would say like, there's a lot of like, it was a mix like boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I think I always said the boys made me tough, but it sounds like everybody in your neighborhood was just tough. Like it was just, let's play a game. <laughs> like let's beat each other up. Let's be competitive. And I think that's where your competitive muscle always starts. It's like yeah. at that age, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think like at a young age, like it's, it's just fun to be able to like play different games and like try And then there's that weird, that period of, you know, that 
I don't know, that fifth to maybe eight, let's say, let's call it eight to like 13 years old, where mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you're like, no, I want to win. Like, don't, push, <laughs> don't push me. Like, <laughs> I'm pushing you back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You doubt me. I'm going after you. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, <laughs> I love that. Okay. So this is kind of like how your spark of sports started and you started realizing, okay, I can be a pretty great pitcher. Now, like take me into the high school years for you. Like what? (laughs) I don't know. Like, so you probably realized you're pretty good at what age, maybe before high school. Yeah. So I started pitching at kind of like later after, you know, I, I won the chores list and convinced my mom. <laughs> I won that bat. I won that epic battle of mom versus yes, Monica. And, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah. So I started pitching then and like created a little routine and kind of like slowly got better and better. And then, uh, went into high school, was playing travel ball for the Salinas storm. And yeah, I, I think at that point, at that point I was playing, I, I remember my freshman year of high school, like I was really good at basketball as well. So, you know, I was playing basketball. Our team was like undefeated. I was having so much fun. Our coach was doing really good. Our coach was really good. Our team was doing really good. And then there started to be like rumors at our school, you know, like the little like gossip mail of high school. And it was like, well, you know, someone said that, you know, this freshman's going to make varsity we don't put freshmen on varsity, like, (laughs) and all of this. And, and my high school, you know, we had like a history of a pretty good softball program, a a very competitive softball program where they'd been to like the champion, a couple championships and sent Mm -hmm. some, some girls off off to college. And so my freshman year, they had like a pretty staffed team, but so there was this like rumor mills, like this freshman's not going to make it. Like (laughs) who's this kid? And so I came late to softball tryouts because basketball season ran over because oh, it like yeah. o- overlaps and we had yeah. made like playoffs because our team was good and mm-hmm. at all of that. <laughs> and then I just remember like the first day they had me like with the freshman team or something like playing catch because the teams had already started to like separate a little bit by the time I got there. Mm-hmm. And right away, then like the JV coach came over. No, like, you're not playing freshman. We're going to take you on JV. And then I started to like throw some more and like move around. They're like, what are you doing over here? You're going to varsity. You know, you're going to. So it's almost like, I feel like they kind of like had, you know, they had played, had played that. The coaches had played that out in their head. Like this is yeah. the girl. Let's like put her down. Like see, like slowly move her up that day and see if she's yeah. there. So, but I ended up playing varsity my freshman year of high school and went into high school as a pitcher, first baseman, hit like number, I would say number like five in that mid, mid-range, mid three, four, five area, really young. And yeah, my best, yeah. my best pitch at that time, I think was a, my screwball or my curveball, which is kind of interesting. And actually, I, I'll, I always say this at clinics. Do you mind if I just like do a little blip here? Go for it. So that same pitching coach that I, that, you know, suggested I be a pitcher. Uh-huh. I'm going into high school. I think it was like either right before my freshman year or after my freshman year. And he's like, he goes to me, he goes, you know, he goes, Monica, you know, you're doing, you're doing good. You're, you're a good pitcher. You know, you're, you're having some success, but you know, you're going to go, you're going to go into high school and uh, you're going to play with the big dogs now. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was really adamant, adamant. And he was like a men's fast pitch player. So I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm so excited. Like high school is going to be so fun. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, you know, the hitters are going to be bigger than you now and they're going to be tougher. And I'm like, kind of like starting to be like, oh God, oh no. <laughs> not fun anymore. Not I'm fun. scared. The right, the right fielder in my heart, like is coming out and the coach mm-hmm. goes, he goes, um, he goes, okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to prepare you. And he goes, you know, you have a good curveball now and you, you have some, you know, you're doing good, but right now you need a pitch that's going to get people out. Like you need, you need a pitch that can define you. And he goes, and a pitch that can like help you get some of the bigger kids. So we're going to work on a rise ball. And that's what he's, that's how kind of like my rise ball started. So I want to say right around that time, that's when I started developing my rise ball. I was in high school, which is obviously the pitch I'm known for. And then that's taken me to like every level of the game, but I'll never forget that he said, he's like, you need a pitch that can separate yourself. You need a pitch that can like, you can dominate with, and that can like, you know, take you to the next level post high school. You know, if you want to go to college or the Olympics or whatever you want to do, you need a pitch that can get the big girls out. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, he, and he said, and I want to teach you the rise ball. And I'll never forget that because he didn't try to teach me every single pitch in the world. Like, He just said, you'll still have your other pitches and we'll work on those a little bit here and there. But he said, like, this is the pitch that that can elevate your game. This is the pitch that can, you know, create more opportunities for you. And then your other pitches can, like, help help you along the way. Um, Yeah. So such a cool story. I love that. This actually kind of goes along with. So I asked my ABT community, which is a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. that I'm in there all the time talking about podcasts. And I was like, Hey, so if I had this picture on, you know, what would you ask? And this came from Corey. She asked, what strategies would you give a young pitcher to use when they don't have many pitches yet? And I think you dabbled into it right there, mm-hmm. but like, what would you say to that type of pitcher? Like go with that pitch, that punch out pitch that you want to get really good at and get really good at that and then move on. Or how would you go about that? Um, I would say like, depending on the age group, like you have to remember when I got like my go-to or like my punch out pitch, the, the like game changer of a pitch for me, I like, I was in high school. Like yeah. I was, I was like 15 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. Like I had all, I started pitching when I was like 12, a little bit like later in years than most people start nowadays, but I was already, I, I was already pretty, had been pitching for a little bit of time. I think it's super important for people to focus on like their form and getting their mechanics down. You can do a lot with the fastball. You can do, you can do a lot with a located fastball. And I always say like, (laughs) I love that like young kids are learning to throw like, you know, curve, screw, drop, rise, change off speed. This, you know, all these off speed curve drop, like all these different pitches. But I will say that I, I believe that I believe that it is easier to learn great pitches like a go-to rise ball if your mechanics and form are good. Like if you're able to spot a fastball, it then you know you work your way up the ladder. You go to a screwball or a curveball, and then eventually maybe you go to like a drop or a rise ball. Usually, like a pitcher favors one, and then and then you you develop the change. But you can do a lot with a located fastball. And if your mechanics and form are correct, 
you know, and you can hit the spots and things like that. And if you start developing speed with that, then it's going to be so much easier for you to go ahead and develop like a dominant pitch, a pitch that can like change the game for you, a pitch that can take you to another level that can open doors and create opportunities for you at an older age. Like I think my growth period with the rise ball, when I first started, like how to develop it and, and I was able to start throwing it in games pretty quickly because my form and basic, my mechanics were so sound at a young age. Mm. So I think that part is really important. And it's, you don't have to rush, like you don't have to rush to develop, you know, an, a Monica Abbott rise ball or a Kat Osterman drop ball, or, you know, an alley card to change up. You don't have to develop. You don't have to rush to develop those like go-to strikeout pitches. You can do a lot with a great form locating and then maybe a change up or a mix of speed. I think that is like the key at a young age. And then as you get older, develop those other go-to amazing pitches to take you to the, to wherever you want to go within this sport, you know, opportunities are endless. It's there if you want it. And once you get a little bit older and your mechanics are under your belt, then start developing those. That's such good advice. I hope people are taking notes right now. If you're not taking notes and you're listening to this, you need to whip out a notebook because we're about to dive into pitching a ton. I have a fun story I want to share with you. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. I was actually on a team. So I was kind of like your sister, Jessica, the one who can like, who is just a gamer and just wants to always win. And we didn't have a pitcher and I knew nothing about pitching. And so my dad and I literally like went on YouTube, figured out like the whole pizza circle, like hold the Coke can, uh-huh. like all uh-huh. the things that, you know, you find on YouTube. So I like figured out how to pitch. My dad was so good at just letting me kind of like have fun with it and like do my thing. So I literally, I specifically remember this session where my dad's, you know, on, on the, on the bucket, just catching balls. Half the time I'm hitting the shins, you know, kind of, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, dad, for all of that. Um, Sorry, mom. but I, but I remember like standing on the mound. I'm like, Hey, can I do like Monica's, you know? Yes, please. Pitch? I'm like, can I try this out? And like, so I was not super tall early on. Like, I think I was like five, one going into high school. And then it was like my junior year where I became closer to six foot. So I grew like a ton in a short period of time. Wow. But like when I first started, I was little skinny, but I was just like, I want to try Monica's, you know, promotion, which I believe you changed a little bit since that time mm-hmm. when I watched you originally, you know, competing for the Olympics and things like that. But I remember like doing it and I'm like, I love this so much. Like, I don't even know why I like it. But I'm like, I feel long. I feel powerful. Like, let's go. It's like the rest of the day, I'm just like throwing your pitch. And it was like, it was just like fun because Thanks, I, love, just like, I tr- love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love trying something new. And I think there were other times I was like, oh, I want to be like cat today. I wanna, like, yeah. Love over my you head, know, you're you trying know? to like imitate. And that's important. I have to tell you like the other day. And so... I'm like an Instagram person, but like, I guess someone had posted this, this like reel that they tagged me in. And it was like a little, it was like probably like an eight year old or 10 year old girl. And I was dying laughing because it was like a pitcher. And she's like, she's like the pitch, all the different pitching styles, you know, the grunter, the leg slapper, the, you know, the grunter, the leg slapper, the crazy motion. And then and then it was the Monica Abbott. And I was like, oh my God. And I, oh my I, God. Like, 
oh my gosh, I'm a trend. Like this is legit. <laughs> like let's go. It's trending on Instagram re- reels. Oh, I love that. Just imagine yeah. if social media was where it is today, like back when we started playing. Just imagine. It would be it would be so different, but I love that you like tried it and I tried my emotion and everything. And a lot of people do. And I, I just, I just think it's really cool, you know, having someone imitate you or like try something that they, maybe they wouldn't have thought of themselves, but like you said, feeling long, feeling powerful, you know, that part right there that pumps me up. Yes, I know. And like, I think that was the cool part. Like my dad was just like, yeah, just, you know, it's not for going to make you throw a strike. And I just felt like when I did it, I just got into a better position where I just like threw heat. I'm like, well, now it makes sense why she throws fast. Because like, it just kind of made me understand why, you know? <laughs> so I think, great point. Like if you are a pitcher and you're just like, so kind of bored right now, just like try something new. Like pitch yeah. like Monica, pitch like Kat, like just try something and see if it sticks. Because I can tell you like later on, I didn't have your motion. But I think your emotion helped me kind of like find my own. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's really, especially now, like people are so lucky to have, you know, the TV, the social media, like all this different accessibility to people um, listening, learning, watching all of those things. And a lot of times, like in order for someone to learn better, like you have to see it, right? Like you have to see someone else doing it. And that, and then you kind of like pick and choose. You take a piece from me, you take a piece from someone on TV, you take a piece from, you know, what your coach said, and then you mold it into like this beautiful little, you know, sculpture and picture of what becomes you as a person and you as a softball athlete. And I think that's really, really key um, as you develop. Absolutely. Oh, this is so fun. I love talking about pitching. Okay. So there is something you said before, and I want to just kind of go back to it for a second. You were talking about how the changeup can be one of those later pitches, but a lot of people teach command your fastball, like be able to hit spots with your fastball. Like you don't even know how much damage that can do. Like if you can see a hitter just throwing your hands out at outside pitches and you can command a low outside pitch, like that can be your go-to right now. And then a lot of people teach that directly they go to change up after that. Yes. So is that how you, did you do the change up right away or was that again later? <laughs> Girl, did I do the change up right away? I did every change up that you could possibly think of. <laughs> you probably have such big hands. You probably had like a three knuckleball like change. Yeah. I did try well, that in high school. I, I, I do want to say like what you said to your point about the outside. I, I do believe like, like as a young pitcher, if you can command the outside corner, if you can consistently hit the outside corner, you are going to be successful in pitching. Mm. Like just hit the outside corner, y'all. Like seriously, I don't know what's up with these hitters, but sorry. (laughs) Hitters, I love you guys if you're on my team, but hit the outside corner. That is like a huge key, especially at a young age. Um, And even like, even I would say in high school softball, like if you can hit the outside corner, like you're going to be you're going to have put yourself in a good position to be successful. You're going to put your team in a good position to be successful. Yeah. Okay. So I'm totally going to venture off into the fastball again. Cause you throw okay. 72 miles an hour. Were you ever scared to throw an inside pitch with your oh, speed? Oh God, no, never afraid. I did hit a couple of people. Yeah. So like after I hit them, then I felt bad, but right. Right. Yeah. But you weren't scared to just go after that spot. No, Mm -mm. that's good. I really just wanted to mention that because I know some athletes are scared to hit someone, 
And if you're ever on the mound and you're scared to hit someone, guess what? You're going to hit them. Yeah. Don't, don't, like- yeah. Don't be scared to hit them. And then honestly, a yeah. lot of people wear Evo shield to tell my pitchers out there, just like, just know most hitters have an Evo shield these days. So you're good. Like that protects them. Just like go in, be aggressive and outside super important. Like I said, but obviously you have to be able to get the inside corner as well. So, yeah, I know a lot of, since you're left-handed, which we haven't even talked about yet. I'm also a lefty hitter. I remember you throwing high and inside curveballs at me. Like it was your day job. I was like, um, let's go. Let's go. How do we do it? Okay. I'm actually, okay. Let's go to another story while we're here. One of my favorite stories of my own resilience against you is one of my favorites to tell. Okay. Pr- I've probably said it on the podcast already. I think there was this game where I was up, up against you like three times which to even hit against you three times in a lineup is like very rare. But I remember the first time I hit off of you and you probably have like no idea, but you could see it on my face. I was just terrified. I was like, holy crap. I watched you play at Tennessee and now we're in the pro league and I'm like up against, how does this work? And even the dugout's like, oh, Monica's on the mound. And I'm sitting here like, (laughs) what does that mean? Like, I I don't understand. So I was just like shaking in my boots before I walk into that box. Like probably most people that see you for the first time. And you probably read right through me. I think you threw three fastballs right down the middle. Didn't even touch one. Um, And I sat like the very first time. And I was like, okay, well, I'm supposed to hit two more times today. And like, that's not going to happen again. Like it was just like, I needed that slap in the face because you do like you pitch. I swear your foot goes outside the circle. <laughs> I swear. Like from act- my perspective, I'm like, she is throwing, her foot is landing outside the circle. And I'm a lefty that normally stands in the middle of the box. Okay. We're going to have to make some adjustments. So it was like my second at bat that day. No one's hitting off of you that day. I think maybe Kaylin Castillo maybe had like a single, but I go back up there and I'm like, okay, well, worst case scenario happened. I struck out in three. My goal is to just touch you. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'm literally like a professional athlete, so like sitting here, like, I'm just going to try to touch her and like see what happens. So my mission, like in the box, I was like, all right, just touch her, just touch her. And I saw a ball go by. I was like, oh my God, this is great. I can actually see it. <laughs> um, this is literally what's going on in my head. And I really want people to know this because I mean, I'm a professional athlete still trying to keep it simple here. And I remember I like popped up to the third baseman and of course I'm out, but I was like, I did what I said I was going to do. Like I touched her, you know, and this is literally me. And then I had like one more shot that game. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously I struck out in three. I'm finally touching her. What's better than a pop-up? Okay, let's go for like a hard ground ball. And you made that, you made that at bat so hard. I think I remember I watched another ball, but then you threw me this curveball and in my hands and your curveball, it's like coming to hit me and then it's going to be a strike. So I literally, I was just like, okay, just attack it. Let's hit a hard ground ball. And I hit like the hardest ground ball I've ever hit in my life to the second baseman. And of course, like she gets me out. But internally, I'm like, I did. I did. I, I did it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> hey, I like find, found a way. You know, I love that. I mean, it's so important. But I just think like it's cool. You know, like those those internal battles like between pitchers and hitters are just they're so fun. Like they are so fun. I live for them. And, you know, it. It's fun and it's fun to see like adjustments that people make and then trying to like figure out the puzzle of how to get them out. Yeah. It's yeah, like a chess cool. match. Yeah, totally. It's, it's a yeah. chess match. It's like a mask, uh, amazing picture. And then just like 
yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to see like people grow and then also like, you know, I don't know. It's just like softball, softball is so fun. <laughs> so it is. Fun. That's why it's our living. That's why it's yeah. our life. So I guess a question that I have from that is, so obviously you're a pitcher that can probably read through a hitter. Like if a hitter mm-hmm. looks scared, you're in the driver's seat. What do you notice that hitters do that kind of make you internally go, all right, well, fastballs down the middle are going to do the job. Like, what do you see? Uh, <laughs> kind of gives that away. What did you see in me that day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what I saw in you was your knees were shaking <laughs> and like uh-huh. <laughs> your eyes look really big. No. Yep. No. Um, I would say like, I'm at the point now where like, if I know someone has never seen me, like never faced me, like, I'm just like, fireballs let's go (laughs) show them what you got yeah because you know at this point you know a hitter's probably coming into the box like and their team is telling them like hey she throws rice balls she throws hard like make sure you're ready so all of these things so i'm just like okay let me they're probably gonna want to watch one because they want to like you know, get the feel get on like, time. Yeah, yeah. Get the feel of like what my pitch feels like and all of that. And then maybe try to see if they're time how check their timing and stuff like that. So usually I try to like, especially if it's their first at bat, you know, I do really try to attack them pretty hard. I think that's good. I think that's like, and when you think about it, when you're probably hitting or pitching against people who have seen you multiple times, are you mm-hmm. trying to play to your strengths or are you trying to make them miss? Does that make sense? I think, I think no matter if you're a pitcher or a hitter, you should always play to your strengths, right? Always. I mean, you're giving me the answers I want. want As a hitter, do you want to like, just like, I mean, you want to play to your strength as a, as a hitter, right? Yes. Whatever you need the low and in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that just depends on like, what is your, and it can vary, you know, like your strength on Saturday can change from what your strength on Sunday is like. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a real thing. Like your strength changes can change day to day, right? Like depending on how you feel, your, what your body's doing, your recovery, your preparation, you know, all of that. But I, I think as an athlete, you always have to play to whatever your strength is and then you manage other things. And does your strength change day to day sometimes? Maybe at bat to at bat, pitch like hitter to hitter. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I know these are probably naive questions, but I know so many here have daughters who have just started pitching and, mm-hmm. you know, they want to give them the right tools to at least think about and execute in games. How important is a first pitch strike? You know, um, I'm a, I'm, I think it's important. I think it's, I'm a fan of it. I'm at a different level, but I would, let me talk about like it from like a youth level rather than the yes. level that I play at. And I think from the, like the youth level, I think a first pitch strike is really important. Just, and honestly, like try to just pound the zone, especially if you're an eight, U, 10, U, 12, U, I would say just try to throw as many strikes as you can. You know, you're not going to get, you're not, every pitch is going to be a strike, but just go ahead and like, just try to attack the hitter and just, just do the best you can, you know, in the zone. And then as as you get into like 14 and under and 16 and under, hopefully you're starting to develop some other pitches. And then I would say, try to like use those pitches to their strength that day. You know, maybe Mm. your screwball attacking the outside corner to go inside, attacking the inside corner to go outside, 
have a start to create a little bit more plan of a plan. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 16s to 18s, hopefully you have like more of a go-to pitch that's vertical, you know, up and down versus lateral. So a rise or a drop at that point, you're starting to develop that. Then, you know, really work on using that to get your big outs, um, to get ahead of hitters. And then, uh, you know, you can complement with the other pitches that you've been throwing, like your whether it's a fastball or a screwball or a curveball that or a changeup, that's more of a lateral pitch. So you said this is all for youth. I really want to know just personally, maybe a first pitch strike isn't what you're looking for right now. What is kind of your approach in that regard with more advanced hitters? Uh, like at my level? Yeah. Ooh, Are you willing yeah. to share? <laughs> you're trying to get in there, trying to get some. I mean, who knows? They might have it bad off you. No, I was um, <laughs> Yeah, it really kind of just depends on the hitter and the strategy that we're taking for a hitter. I do like a first pitch strike. You know, what they say is that every time a hitter watches a pit, a strike, either a batting average goes down 300 points. Mm. So, um, and a lot of hitters like to watch the first one and that's fine. Um, some swing at it too. So it's really at my level, it really is a little bit of more of a, of a guessing game. Because I want to get ahead. I want like count, what is called count control. I want count control so then I can get count leverage. Um, count leverage is when you're, you know, you're ahead in the count. You're one, two, oh, two, maybe even two, two, I would say, and zero, zero. Like you want count leverage so then you, I can get you to swing at something. Then I can get you to swing at something that you don't want to, right? Like, or mm-hmm. I can get you to foul something off to create that count leverage. So I do like a good first pitch strike. Does it always happen? No. Like sometimes you have to like be, have a little bit more strategy to it. I know nowadays a lot of, a lot of hitters are swinging at first pitches a lot more, which I think is smart from the hitting standpoint. If the hitter's timing is, you know, on and they're feeling confident and it's the pitch they're looking for. But at the same point, I think, you know, like at the level, at the professional level, at the Olympic level that we're at like it is such a a strategy thing and it is such a like give and take and and you know at the end of the day my job is to get out so if I throw a first pitch and she pops it up to the second baseman like I'm happy you know like Mm -hmm. um if if I throw a first pitch and let's say she fouls it you know a hard foul ball down the left field line like that's still a good thing for me. If she, it's, I throw first pitch and she watches it, like then, I, then it's kind of like, okay, what is she looking for? Like mm. that, you know? And then let's say I throw first pitch and like she swings and misses like really aggressively. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> she was looking yeah. for one, you know? But at the end mm. of the day, like I'm trying to get the ball in and out of the zone as quickly as possible because. The hitters that are we're facing at the Olympic level and the professional level, I mean, they're freaking good. They are so good. Yeah. Like, yeah, they they are really really good. And <laughs> I don't want to like count that. Yeah, just the offensive part of the game is exploding. It wasn't <laughs> always that way. Like I remember watching when I was younger, and it was like, no, it's like pitchers kind of dominated everything, and now mm-hmm. pitchers like. I don't know what it is about the offense. I couldn't tell you exactly what the remedy has been, but I've just seen hitters just evolve so much in the past, you know, 12 years since the last Olympics, but it sounds like you. Yeah. 
I, I definitely agree. And I think especially like, I would even say like in the last five years, it's even gotten even better. I think mm. a couple things, I think just accessibility, right. And information is better. Like the people that are teaching hitting now, a lot of them played. So a lot of yeah. them played and they, so they, a lot of them were successful hitters. So that's mm-hmm. like the trickle down, you know, ripple effect there. So I think that's happening. Um, technology, our accessibility to information is so much better. If you want the information to be a better hitter, if you want the drills, if you want the, like, even watching and imitating, you know, imitating some of the world's best hitters, you can do that. You can go Google Haley McClinney. You can go Google Valerie Ariotto or whoever it is, you know, you can go Google all these people and try to imitate their swing. So just as people were imitating pitchers, they're imitating hitters. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, they're seeing it more. When you watch, you learn whether you're imitating or not. Like, and I just think accessibility to information, better coaching and yeah. And technology in the game, as far as like the bats and just what you have access to analyze and things like that is a lot better. Yeah, I totally agree. All of those things and above. If you guys can't tell already, I am so passionate about this podcast. I want to scream from the rooftops to everybody in the game of softball that these interviews with these Olympians and these interviews about recruiting and these interviews with Sue Inquist preaching fire about how parents can help their athletes become the best versions of themselves. I'm dying for more people to listen to these interviews and I'm dying for more people to help their athletes become the best versions of themselves like you are. That's why you're here. So can you do me a massive favor? I'm calling my shot. I want to be one of the largest sports podcasts out there simply because I just want more softball people to hear this information and to grow the game as a whole. So if you could do me a massive favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you can, which Apple podcasts allows this rate and review the podcast. That is how this podcast is going to grow into one of the largest sports podcasts out there. And I am dying for more people in this universe to be able to hear the wisdom from Sue Inquest, hear the wisdom from Dr. Chris Carr on psychology. These are things that not many people are talking about, and I want more people to hear it so overall this game can grow. Thank you so much for listening to my spiel. And I'm so excited for you guys to be here listening to this newest episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to have your ears on this. You're going to love this episode. Are there things that you use right now as a pitcher? I know there's like this cool thing you like strap to your leg that you like to use. Yes. Um, What are things that you're using as a pitcher right now? Um, so one of like the big tools I like right now, obviously like anytime, whether I'll say this first, like besides the strap thing that you're talking about, that's Mm -hmm. the Velo Pro people use it for hitting or for pitching. I love that. It talks about like, um, creating ground force, which is kind of like a high level thing, but it's like the force you put down into the ground to like create power out. So it helps create ground force, which I really love. But I will say one thing that is my go-to no matter what or where I am, you'll always find me with them. I sound like a commercial, (laughs) but is, is my bands. I mean, I feel like, uh, I'm with Jager, Jager sports and, Mm -hmm. um, I still have those from pro. Yeah. they're, they are like a small company, but I tell you what, like if you're in softball, especially I would say 
at least high school age. I think they're probably a little bit advanced for like 12 and under age group or even 14 and under age group. But if you're a high school player and you want to play college softball, or if you want to like play professional or you have Olympic dreams, like get yourself a pair of bands and like take care of your shoulder. Because if you mm. can't throw overhand then in this game and you can't throw overhand well, like, and you're not taking care of it, like eventually it'll break down. And I think that those bands have just like really helped eliminate some of that pain that people get from throwing. So yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I think they, they work, they work well. That's so good. I actually started using those. I did a little in high school, but in college we did them every day. Yeah. And I can't tell you how strong I felt from even doing them. And I'm sure that you can learn different routines and things to do to just like gain muscle strength in your shoulder and things like on YouTube. Um, I'm sure if you go to their website, they can teach you how to use it. But yeah, that's a must for anybody. Like if you throw a softball, you need to be doing this. Yeah. Like anytime I pitch in practice, I do them every day. Like, I mean, and and I wouldn't say every day, but if I'm going to do a pitching workout or if I'm going to throw out of practice, I'm doing them before I throw. Like, yeah. But like you said, it just becomes one of those things that you incorporate into your routine. And so I think especially like your older high school, 18 and under kids, like it would be smart of you all to go and start grab yourself a band or do some sort of shoulder care work because just because like, I mean, once you get to college, the pure quantity, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yes, going from like high school or travel ball, club ball, whatever it is, in throwing to throwing and throwing your freshman year of college mm-hmm. it's like completely different so yeah yeah take care, throwing take care so of that. much take care of that, that absolutely yeah this ties in so perfectly with another question that I got from my ABT community it was how often did you pitch when you were young and how do you avoid overuse young that's a relative age uh <laughs> that's fair <laughs> I will say let's kind of hang out closer to like the I would say 12 to 14. 12 to 14. Okay. So I would say that I probably like, let's say tournament season, like during the summer, I probably pitched twice a week and then, and then I pitched like every game on the weekend. So Mm. (laughs) for example, like a schedule would be like, let's say Saturday, Sunday, you're, you're playing games and pitching on them. Monday would be off. I would be off Tuesday. I pitch a practice um, Wednesday. Maybe, maybe I don't do anything Wednesday, depending on how sore I was. And then mm-hmm. Thursday, maybe I had a lesson. Wednesday or Thursday had a lesson. And then Friday was usually like school and travel or whatever. And then Saturday games. Uh-huh. But I think like a solid, like every other day is always a good rule of thumb. I also like, let's say you're in the off season, my general theme is like saying, okay, if you pitch three days, like, let's say you're in a period of time where you're trying to get a lot better. Maybe you're not having a lot of games. My rule of thumb is like three days, you're maintaining what you're doing. Four days, you're getting better. Five days, you're getting a lot better. Six days, you're going down, like you're going downhill. Mm. So that's, I love that. I feel like the sweet spot is that four days or five days, depending on like, what you're doing at your practice. Of course, you got to take that into, you got to take that into hand, into context, like how much you're, how much you're actually practicing, you know, like how many pitches you're throwing, how hard the the practice is, how intense the practice is. But normally I would say like three days is a solid amount of time to maintain what you're doing. And also 
four days, like is a good amount of time to be able to get show improvement, like get Mm -hmm. better. And then five days, this depends on like what you're doing at your practice. More than that, you're probably going to like maybe create some bad habits that we don't have to, we'll have to correct things like that. Yeah. Um, And when you say like practicing for a day, could like a 20 minute efficient workout be enough for that day? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I think when Uh, people think practice, they're like, oh, two hours a day. And I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's like necessary at all, especially at a younger age. Yeah. I would say like a good example. Here's a good example. So remember how I told you I started pitching when I was like 12 with my mom in the bucket. So Mm -hmm. like at that point, like we didn't go to the field. We like just pitched in the front yard and, um, my mom would literally like my youngest sisters, they would be down for a nap. My mom (laughs) put them down for a nap. I set up the bucket and like got everything prepared. Okay. It's pitching time. Let's go. Yeah. And we would, my mom would set a timer, like the the egg timer. And I Mm -hmm. think it would either be 30 to 45 minutes every day or every other day. Yeah. And that, that was like the pitching time that we allotted. So, and that really ended up setting up a good routine, got my fundamentals down. It was enough time at that age. But I do think like uh, you can get a solid workout in as a pitcher, like in 20 minutes. I think, I think the sweet spot for pitching is 30, you know? And then if you're like a little bit older and more of a older, like the older age groups, I would say an hour, 45 minutes Mm -hmm. to an hour. I do think that like pitching is not like pitching isn't like hitting. Okay. Let me just say that like hitters go out there. They could be hidden out there for like three hours. Right. Like, let me just swing and swing. swing. (laughs) Right. Like until I get older. (laughs) Yeah. You can just be out there swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging and like, Tees, yeah, I front toss, yeah. live, T, front toss, machine, <laughs> this drill, that drill, buckets, buckets, right. buckets. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like pitching isn't like that. Pitching, you have, you can't just like go and throw like for two hours straight and expect to still be good. Like <laughs> you need to put a time frame on yourself and so that you're more efficient because you can't go out and pitch for two, three hours at a time and and expect the same results as like a hitter would have. So pitching style of practice is very different than a hitting style of practice. So yeah, be more efficient in your practices. I really like that approach. Like if it was the same time every single day, it's like nothing else mattered in that time. And you were almost excited to get out there because you're like, now it's time to pitch, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. With my mom, it was like the best. (laughs) I love that so much because I think that people their practice schedules for themselves, they, they're not able to sustain because it's just, you know, what time do I have? Like, it's just, it varies all the time. But if you can like find that like specific day of the week, specific time, and you know, this is going to be your time, you tend to like put a lot more effort into that yeah. when you've planned it out and this is your time and like nothing else literally matters. So I think that's really, yeah. really important. Um, and I hope people really took the time to really process that because it, it may not be that your hitter or pitcher is like lacking motivation. It, they just may not have a routine, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really I think important. having that routine for practice was really good. And then like, even like ha- if you did like s- similar practice style, like I remember like if I had a lesson, my mom would give me a, like, I had to do all those chores, but my mom would like, <laughs> 
be like, well, you know, you're going to do what you did in the lesson. So like, we just like repeated literally the lesson over and over, you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, we did this and then we did this, like, okay. Yeah. So like knowing what you're going to do in the practice is really important, but I tell you what, like that routine that I developed with my mom at a young age, like when the, when the twins were down for a nap and like that little egg timer, like not only did it make me a better pitcher, it just made me like a better softball person. Like we didn't go anywhere to like, we didn't go to the field. Like, and nowadays there's so much, the equipment is so much better, but like, like we're on an old bucket. Like I was pitching in like my old tennis shoes in the middle of like Mm -hmm. the street. It was like timeout cars pass, like time in. We lost so many softballs. Like we just made it work. (laughs) for the time that we had. Um, yeah, it would have been great to go to like a beautiful indoor or like, I mean, on special days, we got to go to like the elementary school park and I got to pitch on like the little mock field there. But Mm -hmm. like, you know, I just think like we made it work and like having that timer, like it really made me look forward to it. And, um, it was like kind of like a cool time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And like time that you got to spend with your mom. I'm sure you have like a million stories about that, that oh. relationship and that bond. Yeah. Good my and bad, mom. of course. My poor mom, yeah. like all the bruises that she got. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, mom. yeah. One, of the, one of the things you just said that I really loved, it reminds me of my dad and I, when we would hit in the backyard, we always went over the things that we did at lessons. Like if we didn't know, you know, what specifically to work on, well, I had a coach that I went to for lessons that mm-hmm. told me exactly what I needed to spend time on. Yeah. So people are trying to like figure out this whole practice routine and then they're like, it's analysis by paralysis. They don't actually do anything. But if you truly just like, if you go to a coach and you're like told these drills will help you, you have the practice plan. Like you have the mm-hmm. practice plan. So don't overcomplicate it. Just get out there and do the things that you know you need to get better at. Yeah, exactly. So just repeat, repeat what your coach told you to do or like the, mm-hmm. even like the format that your lesson, your hitting coach or pitching coach gave you. And if you repeat that, and then when you go back the next time, their coach is going to see it. Right. And then they're going to have to advance you faster. So absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. This is a question that I, I've been curious about because I know you played in Japan and you still are playing there. And I have started to realize how seriously they take softball. Like their practices are what, like five or six hours long. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me, and I, we're already like so deep into this, but as much as you can share just about like how seriously they take the game and what practices might look like, like it may kind of like shock a bunch of people listening, but I think it's worth talking about. Well, I think the first thing is obviously like it's professional, it's professional yes. there. So like, just <laughs> yeah. keep that, keep that with a grain of salt. Like we're doing this as our job, like nine to five, basically. Yeah. Um, but we usually do about an hour warm up, and it includes, you know, your stretching, sprinting, um, dynamics. A lot of times, it'll include like some speed development work, so like sprinting speed, running speed, um, just mm-hmm. footwork kind of thing, um, different sort of agilities like that. We'll play catch. We play catch. We take a break. We do a full infield outfield almost every single day. And what I think is really cool over there is that. There are outfielders on throw to bases almost every day, mm. which is like unheard of in the, in the, in the U S especially, but yeah, they throw to bases like almost every day. So it becomes like they're, they become conditioned, right? You become conditioned to that style of throwing that intensity level of throwing and the same with infield and 
pitchers and all that. So we, we do defense in the morning and then we take a lunch break in the afternoon. I usually pitch usually I last an hour to an hour and a half ish mm-hmm. with all of our likes talking and everything. And then, you know, they're hitting and they just hit and hit and hit and hit. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. like I said, like hitters can hit on forever. So they just like keep hitting. Literally. And then, <laughs> and then at some point, you know, they're at some point they finish hitting and they do like key front toss machine. A lot of times they'll do live or depending on the day. Sometimes we do like situational hitting as well. Mm-hmm. And then, and then after that, when we finish, we like rake field, clean all equipment, um, organize our equipment and stuff. Um, so we do that as well. We are the grounds crew. We are the, the players are the grounds crew. We are the equipment managers. We are the, like, we do all of that. And then after that, people usually tend to do maybe some, if they want some individual work from the coaches, or if they want to do a little bit extra weightlifting or things like that. And then, yeah, that's our day. Yeah. I really, I wanted you to talk about it because I remember when I was told that you guys practice for like six hours. Excuse me. Yeah. Like I, I remember having travel ball practices that were like three or four hours and I'm like, dude, I can't do this. I can't do this every day. And you guys literally do it every day. Yeah. I'm sure this, but it's like a lot of routine stuff. So, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, every day we do this. It's like, you know, your typical every days, but it's pretty cool. I mean, and I'm glad you mentioned it is a professional thing. So that you athletes or parents, coaches out there that are like, oh, I need to run a six hour team practice. You don't. This is, these you are professionals. Know. There's a reason why they can practice that long. They can pay great money to play out there. So. And, and, and we're like, we're conditioned to do that. I mean, like we go through the weights, the, the agilities, the conditioning, the mobility, all of those things to be able to like compete at a high level. And so don't forget about that piece. And also like, you know, we want to be out there because we're professionals, but we're also athletes. We want to win. We want to win. So, yeah. And like, talk about all the accolades. You have so many over there. You were like six time Japan league champion, four time Japan league MVP and Mm -hmm. Toyota. it, It is probably the top team in Japan. Right. Yeah. So um, Toyota, the team I play for, and then Big Camera, which is the team uh, Yukiko Ueno plays for, who was the Japan national team ace. She was on the 08 team. And then she'll also be on the 2021 team. So her team and my team were like rivals. Yeah. So we kind of go back and forth depending on the year and all of those things that are happening. That's so crazy. So I have to ask because I don't know if anybody's not listening. The 2008 Olympics kind of left like a little scar in all the USA people's heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was your first Olympics and you got a silver medal and mm-hmm. Ari Amata just decided to hit a home run. Mm-hmm. She actually ended up being my teammate yes, in I know. the pro league. Oh my gosh. Her and Kazuki are two of my favorite people in the whole world. They're so funny. But was it kind of weird? Cause I think it was maybe soon after the Olympics, you started playing in Japan. Like, what is that like? Is it kind of neat to kind of get to know people from other teams? What is that experience like? Well, I went, so yeah, 2008 silver medal. Like I was both like excited and devastated at the same time. It was like the weirdest period of my life because it's like the first thing I know. And like, I I ended up playing really well there, but then like the cookie didn't crumble the way that I thought it was going to. Like (laughs) 
like disappointed, but then like I was happy and I'm like, I don't know what, how to feel like there's all these emotions, but you know, Natasha Watley, like, and I were being like asked to play in Japan and I had like several different offers to play over there. And Natasha and I started like talking about Toyota and like the opportunity to play. And we, we talked about it a lot and just kind of discussed that, like, you know, what a great opportunity for us to continue playing right now. Softball's not in the Olympics. Japan is, you know, Japan is obviously very talented. Like what if we could go over there and like relearn the game, like learn a little bit more. We have a chance to like make a living doing this. Like let's try it for a year. And like, and this was in 2009. So Mm -hmm. this is like pre FaceTime era. You guys, like there was no FaceTime. (laughs) Yes. But um, it was Skype then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and you know, it didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. We, we've come a long way. It's now a lot easier for people to be over there. And at the time, like a lot, a lot of professional athletes in the U.S., you know, it was kind of like, well, you shouldn't go to Japan. But now it's definitely accepted a lot more. And I think that has to do with Tasha and I have been over there for so long playing and talking about it for so long. But I just, at that time, we saw it as, I saw it as an opportunity to continue playing because if I didn't, like, would I still be playing today? Probably not. And I can say that because, you know, softball was out of the Olympics in 12. It was out in 16. The pro league, you know, I was playing in it, but it is what it is, if you know what I mean. It's if you know, you know. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. If you know, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, you know it was a great opportunity to try to continue playing and what, why not give it a chance? Mm -hmm. Bottom line, I gave it a chance and, you know, I ended up like loving it and loving the opportunity to continue playing. I felt like I went over there and was really able to become a better athlete. I learned a lot about myself as an athlete, but more importantly, I learned a lot about myself as a person. And I think Mm -hmm. that impacted me more as an athlete. So yeah, I've been ever, over there ever since. It's like year year 13 or 14, I think. So That's so awesome. Oh, Toyota. Yeah. You should be wearing the shirt. What are you doing? Oh, I know. What if why did I wear my Toyota shirt? <laughs> Nike. Um, Sorry, Nike. I told Kazuki, I told Kazuki I was going to be interviewing her today. Oh, I know you just you. saw each other. Yeah, she's we so did. excited to listen to it. So do you also feel because they can train so like they just have perfected the training regimen, I believe. That probably kept you in the best shape too when you were not playing in the U.S. Oh, for Would sure. You agree? Oh, for sure. I think they definitely opened my eyes to some of the different. I think just different styles of training. You know, American softball. We're big. We're strong. You know, we're strong. And uh, Japan is a little bit quicker. Like as far as like foot speed, that's part of their game. Defense. Mm. Defense is their game. I would say like defensive play is their game. And then foot speed on the bases is their game. So whereas Americans were strong, we're powerful, but you know, so we kind of like counteract that, but I was able to like, really, I don't know, really kind of like learn a a lot about the conditioning piece and how they train and how they, um, how, you know, how they Japan, Japanese style of softball, I guess I would call it. Yeah. It's so different. I really, you know, now that you're saying this, I think I would have had a blast over there because that was like my MO. It was like my speed, my smarts on the bag. Like my defensive play was like 
I can't say it was my baby because hitting is, I mean, yeah, obviously. You, girl, my you baby. can hit. You're a good, but, good hitter. Thank you, friend. It means a lot. But I just love the quickness and speed of just good footwork. And, you know, I always say that because I love basketball, it kind of helped me with that too. But, oh, geez. I know you and yeah. Tosh talk about it all the time. Speaking of Tosh, we mm-hmm. need to uh, bring, a, I asked her to give me a question for you. Okay. For those of you who haven't listened to the podcast with Natasha Watley, you need to go listen, especially if you're a slapper. But because you guys had spent so much time over there, she's even still coaching over there. Yeah. Your love is clearly in both countries and I, I'm all about it. And Natasha said, who's your favorite teammate to drink wine with? <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Watley, of course. Um, uh, red wine, please. Nice cab. Yeah. Would be yes. Good. <laughs> oh my God. So literally I thought about that because I knew when we played together, that was something we bonded over. Um, I'm totally going to drink a glass of wine for you tonight. Please, please. <laughs> oh my God. Great. This has been an absolute blast. There are so many other things I wanted to ask you, but you know, I truly believe like I want to obviously be conscious of your time. And then I still have five more questions that I want to ask you yeah. if you're cool with it. They'll be quick ones. Don't worry. All right. I am ready. What you okay, got? What you got? What you got? All right. All right. The first one is, and it should be super simple, is what do you love most about softball? Everything. <laughs> That's not a good, um, everything. I love I it. Lo- no, you I can, love, you I love, stick it. Uh, yeah. I love everything about <laughs> softball. I love being outside. I love playing on the dirt. I love the team. I love my teammates. I love I love that moment when the game stands still for a second and you know, you have to like compete with everything you have. I Mm. love that moment. Um, And you kind of like the game slows down and kind of goes on pause for a second and you're like, all right, this is it. Like, here I am time, time to bring it on or whatever it is. Mm. I love seeing amazing plays by my teammates. I love the excitement of the fans Gosh, I just love this game. I, I really, truly love everything about it. Aw, beautiful answer. I love that. So basically what you love most about it is just the entire thing itself. <laughs> yeah, just like everything. <laughs> yes, that's so good. All right, who is someone that you've looked up to and why? Um, I lo- really, I love Lisa Leslie. Hmm. Is there a yeah. reason? You know, I, I... I could pick, you know, all the great softball players, which are very like, you know, amazing to look up to Lisa Fernandez, um, Michelle Granger, Michelle Smith, um, Laura Berg, Crystal Bustos, all these amazing athletes in our sport. But I love Lisa Leslie. I love the, the, she's another tall basketball player. She was like the first woman to dunk and Mm -hmm. she, she broke barriers in women's basketball and she proved that women can, women can dunk. She proved that women can do um, almost anything. And she did it with such grace and poise. And I just loved that about her. Great answer. I'm going to have to, I don't know her, but Instagram's a beautiful thing. So maybe I'll just like send her a little snippet. Like, yeah, hey, she now announces on, um, <laughs> she now is an announcer on like the WNBA. And I think she also does announcing on the NBA as well. I love that. Speaking of which, is have you done announcing? Have you done that? Is that something that you'd be interested in doing? Because I know you do motivational speaking. Yeah, I do. I do. I do motivational speaking, and I really love love that piece of piece. Um, it's so uh, rewarding, and like I feel like 
impactful. Um, I've done a little dabble in uh, announcing. Right now I'm playing, you know, like that's yeah, my focus. That's like the only thing on your mind. So, I totally get that. So, I, you know, down the road, I would love to like maybe explore that more. Yeah, totally makes sense. You're so focused on 2021 Olympics mm-hmm. that like, I didn't even ask you about the Olympics yet. How are you <laughs> feeling? Like, where, where are you at? I mean, we're, now we're in March of 2021. We're finally getting close to it. Where are you at? You know what? Like, I feel good. I feel, I feel good. I, I feel grateful. I feel like, uh, I feel like I am in my process, if that makes mm. sense, like in sticking to it. I'm really proud of our USA team right now. For We had to go through a lot last year with our tour, be, being named in 2019, the tour, the dramatic COVID piece uh, wow. for our team was very, very dramatic. And then like just fighting for opportunities to be together, to be able to play together, to just find ways when there wasn't ways. And so I am very, very proud of where our team is right now and super excited for the process that we're on and just being fully committed to that process. So Mm. I have goosebumps right now. I'm so excited. This is going to be a great year. It it really is. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. This is one that maybe your mom is going to be your biggest influence, but what was the greatest lesson that your parents taught you growing up? Yeah, I would say um, just to like, keep, keep going. Like, don't keep going, like (laughs) pick yourself up, pick yourself up and keep going. Like if you can say it in a nutshell, it's almost like never give up. But I think they were so intent on like not letting outside the outside world take you away from what you really wanted to do. And like, don't let, you know, the negativity, the distractions, the, all the other things that, that kind of like can bring you down and like make you sad. Like, Hey, Monica, like pick yourself up, like get moving. Like, let's keep going. Like you have a chance to have to positively influence your day and your life. Like don't keep going. Like just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like find a way to keep going, take action. Take action. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. Like when we're in a rut or we've just had like the biggest failure, like getting back up is the toughest part. That's so yeah, good. Exactly. I think, you know, you feel like the world is crumbling on you. So yeah. And it's not get that's back so up, good. keep going. Yes. All right. Here's a very selfish question for me. I really just need to know this answer. Uh-oh. Where the heck do you buy your pants? <laughs> I, we're both very tall people. Oh my God. And I can't tell you how many pairs of pants I have from Buckle because like they were like the only ones that had long enough pants for me. Like, please tell me all the things because your girl over here needs some help. Okay. Um, yeah. Buckle was like a total thing for <laughs> me. The internet is great. Just like tall, tall jeans.com or I think it's like really? long, That's- tall Sally, long, elegant legs is one. Um, mm. Nordstrom has some ones that you can order or they'll order for you. But you know, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, if I have a chance to wear shorts, I'm wearing them because I don't <laughs> want to deal with jeans. Like that's fair. That's fair. Um, but uh, us Midwestern people, we don't exactly have that option year round. Leggings with boots. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, totally. That's a thing. I, I can't tell you how many Lululemon pants I own. I actually found yeah. a pair of 
yoga pants from Lululemon that were like especially made for tall people. And it was on the clearance rack. I was like, are you kidding me? This is yeah, a once no. in a lifetime purchase. <laughs> they are, they are doing, I will say like, that is one kind of like pretty cool thing with all like this inclusivity stuff that's going on in the world right now is I think like people are and companies are being a lot more cognizant of like different shapes and sizes. So yes, <laughs> um, for sure. It's, de- it's definitely benefiting tall people. Um, <laughs> Nordstrom is a good place to look. Buckle of obviously was a thing. And then long, elegant legs or long, tall Sally, I think is where yeah. I, I kind of end up. I hope I didn't just lose a bunch of people because I asked this question, but it seriously was a massive issue for me growing up. Oh. Like it was like the worst trying to find pants, especially oh school pants. I had to wear khakis in high school. Those things were up to my ankles. That's just yeah, how it was. It's just so sad. And then everyone like is looking at you like I, my heart hurts for you hearing this story because <laughs> I was there and I was so like insecure about it. <laughs> yes. I knew you could awful. relate. It was awful. I knew you could yeah. relate. Oh, this is perfect. Okay. Last and final question that I have for you is what legacy do you want to leave on the game? I think that I really want to leave a legacy of growth, but like of the, pro- I'm really like right now into like the professional side and like the giving back to grow your own sport. Um, the more people that we can keep in this game, the more athletes that play college softball and find avenues to to work in work in softball. How can you be a champion for this sport? Um, how can you be a champion for the growth in this sport? And that is the legacy that I I want to see is I want to see more and more people finding a way to grow the game. The more people, the more athletes that play post college, and then play professionally, whether it's for two years or 15 years, the more likely they are to stay in the sport and continue to give back and to continue to work in the sport and grow and make a living in this sport. That's what I want to see because I think that is so incredibly important. And I think that women's sports, softball in general, needs more of that because we we want them in the big meetings. So that's what I want to see. And so I'm so proud of everything that you're doing here with the podcast and all of your side businesses and super proud of that. And just, you know, all the women out there that are, that are creating a lifestyle, creating businesses within the softball world. So props to you all. Oh, you're the best. All right. Well, tell the world what you're up to right now, where they can kind of interact with you maybe on social or I know you have a scholarship that's really awesome and different ways that you're giving back. So talk about you. Okay. Um, my name's Monica. (laughs) (laughs) Been playing softball a long time. I'm training for the 2021 Olympic games, but outside of like actual, like on the field stuff, you can always find me on my website. That's the easiest way to like, if Mm -hmm. you're interested in any, in an event, speaking, all sorts of things like that, you can, um, you know, there's different options there that you can pick from through my website. The best social media places for me is probably going to be Instagram or um, my Facebook page, my Facebook fan page. Mm -hmm. And I do, like you mentioned, I do have a scholarship, which I'm really passionate about. Started in 2012, 13, 2013, I think. And so we're pretty pumped for that deadline for, by the time this airs, it'll probably, the deadline will be passed, but you can always donate to it. But 
it's a leadership scholarship for female athletes and you have to be play multi-sports in high school to apply for it. So that's super important. Um, and that's just my charitable way of giving back and helping empower some of our youth high school athletes that maybe, maybe they need help. College is expensive, right? But I do believe education, yes. education is, is a powerful thing in our lives. And you can have a scholarship, like if you got a partial scholarship to Tennessee or to Notre Dame, you can apply for this scholarship and still win. So I just want to say that that's important to know because, you know, the scholarship game is, can be diced up and chopped up in many different ways, Mm -hmm. Um, but really proud to be able to give that, give back in that way. And then other than that, I'm just, you know, your go, your, your all around pitcher and um, just living, living my dream daily and finding ways to continue to grow this sport and uh, be an advocate for softball. Well, it's clearly evident in everything that you're up to. This was an absolute honor to have you on the pod. I know so many people have, you know, tons of notes from today that they're, they're excited to do with their athletes. And man, am I excited to watch you compete uh, in the 2021 you. Olympics in Tokyo. In Tokyo, like, let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Like you've been there, you know, a million times in your life. Let's get pumped. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on, Mon. Yeah, thank you. I really hope you were taking notes during that interview. Oh my gosh. There are so many gems that you can take away. How fun was that egg timer story with her and her mom? That's such a unique way to develop an incredibly good habit. So whether you are a pitcher or not, there is so much you can learn about just the game sense of softball, having the competitive mindset. Didn't you love how she was not and is not afraid to throw an inside pitch to a righty or a lefty? She loves commanding her pitches. She loves making hitters nervous and she's not afraid of anything. And that's something that us as coaches and parents can really instill into our athletes to not be scared to fail, to not be scared to hit a batter, to not be scared to hit against someone. Do you guys like that story about me and my first time hitting against Monica? She loved it, probably because she struck me out and got me out every time, but there's just so much you can learn from this conversation. And I hope you loved it. Even if there was just one single part that you enjoyed or can take away from this episode, I would love for you to share it with at least one member of your own softball tribe so we can grow this game together. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I can't wait for you to see what's going to be on the pod next week. See you later.